Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Uh-oh, uh-oh. You know what it is. It's a Tuesday, and that can only mean one thing when it is Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, ladies and gentlemen. It is a Moats host, Moats Takeover Tuesday. So with that being said, the next two hours, you will be hearing my lovely voice, Arthur Moats, and my colleague's voice, my co-host's voice in the beach here today, Mr. Wesley Euler, as we are on SNR, and we have a jam-packed show because... It is cut day in the NFL. Roster cuts have to be made today, taking the rosters all the way down to 53 players. I believe the deadline is 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so you can only imagine how fluid this show will be today. Now, we already have about 15 names that we know have been released and obviously, we'll continue to update those guys and react, and you know, not just to the guys on our team, but some of the guys, the bigger name guys around the league that have been released as well. But we're going to dive into all of that. So make sure y'all are prepared to be involved because today is an interaction show. Today is one of those shows where we're going to go to the Twitter.com a little bit more because we need your thoughts, your comments, your concerns about certain individuals. So with that being said, the best way to do that is to hit us up on the Twitter.com at TheBody52. TheBody. And at Wesley Euler. The good hair. And my good hair colleague, how are you doing, brother? It's cut day. Are you nervous? Uh, actually, can I tell you a quick little funny anecdote? <laughs> Go for it. Yesterday, you know, I, I normally keep, you know, my, my security badge to mm-hmm. get into the building here. I normally keep it in my wallet. Okay, okay. But over the weekend, I had taken a bunch of stuff out of my wallet left it in the center console of my car, Mm. forgot to put everything back in my wallet. Oh, no. Yesterday, I come to get into the building, and I can't get into our security door. It's not working. And I'm like, okay, maybe the sensor's just messed up. I went around to the main, like, the public Mm. entrance door, go to get on our elevators, where you need your security clearance again to get up to our floor, and it's not working again. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm, like, swiping my wallet like I normally do. Nothing's working. I'm like, did I get fired? What's going on here? Did did, they lock me out of the building? No, Arthur Motes, I did not, did not get fired. I did not get locked out of the building. I was just a dink and forgot to put my badge back in my wallet. But it was good for a, a mini heart attack for me yesterday. Uh, but other than that, other than thinking I got canned, I am uh, I'm very pleased to be here with you on a Tuesday. But we got plenty to get to. Yeah, man, I used to always dread this day. This was always like my PTSD time of the year where, all right, it's cuts day. Even if you feel like you were confident and you had a great camp, you just never know because sometimes good players get released because of financials, because of difference of philosophies, because, you know, a team wants to go with a younger player, whatever it may be. So you just really never know 100%. On these type of days, man. So that's why I'm always very thoughtful and, and empathetic with those individuals that are going through those moments. But on this side of it, from a media standpoint, man, we love these type of days just because of so much content is organically created. I mean, when we first talk about one of the bigger name guys on our team that was released, Jordan Berry, right? We, we talked about how big and how significant that position battle was. Not just at punter, but obviously a long snapper as well, because mm-hmm. we saw those two guys kind of go hand in hand. But just thinking about that, right? Jordan Berry being released, Presley Harvin the third getting the job. 
initial thoughts on that? Did you feel confident that Presley had won that battle, not just the element of, well, he was a younger guy, he was drafted, just eyeball test. Do you feel he did enough to win that battle? I do. Um, I tell you what, you got to give a heck of a nod to our, our favorite bloke, uh, Jordan Barry, because Motsi, that was a uh, that was a legitimate competition. Mm-hmm. Um, both guys in practice and what we were able to see in training camp, obviously, but the, the fan base at large able to see it in the preseason as well. Both of those guys, what since the end of July when camp opened, both of those guys for the last six weeks have been varsity level punters. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's very rare that you can say, you know, I enjoyed watching the punting competition play out this summer and actually mean it, not just, you know, be saying something to say something or something cliched, sports talk radio. Those two brought out the best in each other. Um, I, I think when you're Presley Harvin, when you're the draft pick, when you're, as you mentioned, when you're the younger guy, um, when you're the guy who's a little bit cheaper, not massively cheaper, yeah. but a little bit cheaper as well, uh, those things certainly work in your favor, but I do think he did enough just straight up to win the job. But like I said, our our favorite bloke deserves a shout-out because he showed out very well. He performed himself very well, did Jordan Barry. Um, you know, if, if Jordan Barry would have kind of just packed it in and been resigned to his fate, this might have been an easy decision for the coaching staff, but I can assure you it was not because he did the opposite. He did some of the best punting we've seen him do in his time in the black and gold. He was fantastic. He rose to the occasion. Uh, and I got to think, Motsi, he hopefully earned himself another opportunity somewhere else over what he was able to do these last six weeks. But I do think it's fair to say that that, that Presley Harvin won which, what was a, a very competitive, a very kind of neck-and-neck-the-whole-way uh, battle for, for the team's starting punter. Yeah, when I look at this battle, the reason why I asked – you without those other variables is because to me I don't necessarily feel that Presley outperformed Barry Hmm. I think when we throw in all the other characteristics and variables it makes perfect sense why you go this route but to me personally I don't think he outperformed him would I you really say don't. Jordan outperformed Presley I would I thought Jordan was the more consistent punter I don't think he was the more flashy punter Hmm. in the sense of obviously we know when Presley can go, he can get a 65-yarder, a 70-yarder. Barry isn't capable of that, but I thought as a whole, between practices and games, Barry was the more consistent of the two in terms of he's not going to have these large, you know, or it's not going to be a wide range of he might hit it 60, then he might hit it 30, he might hit it 40. Like, you weren't getting that with Barry this year. Now, I know in the past that has been one of the things that people complain about. And we've already talked about in terms of when you only have that guy, he might only punt the ball three times. Two could be good, but you have one bad, one of those three, and it just changes how you feel about a guy. Now, Presley's going to get his chance to experience that as well, and Absolutely. I definitely hope that you know he can keep the fans happy as, as <laughs> best as possible, but we know that's a tough thing at times. But for me, man, I just didn't think that mm. Barry – lost that battle solely on the field. But when you sure, sure. but when you throw in the other factors, contract, draft, younger player, you didn't have the bad, right? In terms of when we say the bad, not bad in terms of Barry this year, but the overall, we remember bad plays. Those never go away. That's and true. And that lingers. Whereas with Presley, 
he might have had bad plays collegially, but we don't no, think of it like that. So when it's we're, like the classic, like when your team yes. loses, it sticks more with you. Like mm-hmm. like you hate losing more than you enjoy right. winning. Yeah, right. So if you imagine if you were on the team when they lost, you're always gonna think of that person as well. You were a part, of, even if you weren't all the way there. It's, no, that's true. It hurts you when this other there, guy could have came no, over. There is right. no there is no uh, letdown experience that has involved <laughs> Presley Harvin yet. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that that played into this as well. But as a whole, man, the team did what they needed to do. I think that they made the right decision based on all of the other variables. But whenever the biggest reason why we do this is multiple ways to give a person his flowers. Oh, sure, sure. That's all. We could do the easy way. Oh, we got to give him his credit, man. He competed. To me, I don't like that because when we just say he competed, it's like, well, you tried hard, but you failed. And to me, I don't think he felt. I think it was more so the business that got you, yeah, not the yeah. performance. And, and that's that, why we say when it talks about cuts, yeah, it's half the battle yeah. at, this, at this level. You could be it a really better is. player, you'll still get released because of these other variables. Yeah, and that's kind of how I looked at this. Now, I'm not saying that Presley's not going to go out here and be an amazing punter. I hope he does. I hope he's the Justin Tucker version for us at punter. Where he's just a weapon. You put him out there, you're like, all right. I hope you so. know what this I, is. I, I, I want a husky punter, <laughs> who, who's a weapon out there. Wait, wait, wait. Right? I'm hoping it's that. I definitely wanted to be that, and he has shown glimpses of that. So that's why it's like, no, it makes sense. But once again, that's just kind of how I view yeah. that part right there. Man. No, I, I, I that I, I like how you lay that out there. That that is fair. Um, you don't have to. I don't know, try and do all the feel-good stuff with Jordan Berry, right? He Again, I, I think he belongs in this league. Yeah. I think he's going to get another opportunity. Um, but it, it it's true. You, you've discussed it a lot of times. You've kind of shared some personal experiences of your own as well, too. It is not always just as, as cut and dry as, yeah. all right, who's been better? This guy, all right, that's the guy. It, it That's not the case. Right, that, that whole narrative of, oh, coaches always just play whoever's the best player. No, no, no. This, this is professional. That and is they, not how it works. They don't, always, <laughs> they don't always keep the best players. Yeah. You know, um, they don't always play the best players like Arthur Motes said. I mean, look, you know, we, we too – we just saw Cam Newton get released, and we could talk. We don't have to get into this now. This is Mo's host Tuesday, so it's you. You're driving the ship, but you can't tell me that of the of the three quarterbacks there, exactly. that Cam Newton was the third worst. <laughs> right. Like maybe they thought Mac Jones was going right. to be the starter. But just think about what that says, but right? Then we're not going to keep Cam as our backup <laughs> because he's making a lot of money. But you yeah. can't tell me that Cam Newton isn't better than who Jared Stidham. Thank you. But you just don't want to pay Cam Newton to be in a backup role. Thank you. Th- so you're and you're, sometimes you're absolutely not even right. It's it's these these decisions are are more than just yeah. who's the better Jimmy or Joe. Yeah, and we also know that sometimes. And this kind of goes with the camp situation more so than the Barry situation. But when you do have a very popular, very polarizing person behind a player, we know that can create some issues as well. Even if it's not their dynamic directly, just to have an answer the question every week of if a person plays bad, if Mac Jones had a slow start every game. The question would be, well, hey, do you think you should go to Cam Newton? Do you think you made the right decision with Mac instead of Cam? And like I said, it won't be the case like that because you don't keep two punters. But in certain positions, even on our team, once we get the full list, I'm sure we'll have a couple of situations where we're like, well, yeah, I can see why they would keep this guy and why they would release this guy because this guy as the backup is very polarizing. This guy as the backup presents a lot of unnecessary questions unnecessary things that you and your team have to deal with yes and for certain teams they don't feel like those players are worth the headache it doesn't balance out to them which is definitely understandable 
So, yeah, when, when I think of those type of moves, that definitely is the energy I get when I think of that Cam Newton thing specifically. Yeah. No, there's again, there, there are a lot of examples of that. It is, listen, the NFL is a billion-dollar business, all right? Did you say billion with a B? Billion with a B. Wow. Billion-dollar business. So, yes, decisions uh, are obviously going to be more than just who's the best fit, who's the best player. Moach, you see that in every aspect of life, too. Mm-hmm. It's It's – you know, it's not just who's the best at their job, who's the best at whatever field you might be in. There's there's always other factors that play into it as well. Absolutely. Now, another name that was significant in terms of the free agency perspective, right? Before or after the draft, whatever undrafted guy that we had picked up, Shakur Brown, guy that we had gave the our uh, for the Steelers their highest signing bonus for an undrafted guy was I believe it was like twenty five thousand dollars that they gave him. And then, obviously, they just released him, but they released him and essentially told him that they're not even planning to bring him back to the practice squad. To me, that was another one that was like, whoa, this <laughs> looks significant because I think of the hype surrounding him. Yeah. When we first signed him as an undrafted guy, we were looking at him as, this could be a potential, like, steal Steel. of the draft. Yep. Man, this is huge right here. But to see that and then to hear that they're not even considering him for the practice squad, I was like, man, that was another one that surprised me a little bit. Nah, it surprised me a little bit. Yeah, it surprised me kind it surprised of surprised you a lot. Yeah, or just like, a little bit. A little bit more than a I little bit. I feel like you're leaning towards yeah, a lot. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, uh, a lot light. How about that? Is that is there is that a place like I'm not all the way a lot, but I'm past a little. It, you know what this? You know what this reminds me of? Honestly, Motsi. We do we do this thing a lot where, let me think of a let me think of an example. Um. Say a guy like Antonio Brown, right? Mm-hmm. Six round draft pick, who ends up being all pro, one of the one of the yes. best at what he does, right? We do this whole oh man, how could everybody pass on him? How could everybody pass mm-hmm. on him? How, how could Antonio Brown go in the sixth round? How could Tom Brady go in the sixth round? How could all these guys go in the fifth round, in the seventh round? How is that possible? Motes, there's a reason why those guys are so rare. There's also, like, the opposite side of that equation is there's a reason why these undrafted guys making the team and and going on to have long, lengthy, productive careers is not so rare, but but is not commonplace. Like, NFL scouts... They know what they're doing for the most part, right? <laughs> like you These, said, for, for the most part, yeah. It's a very competitive industry. <laughs> it's an industry with a lot of turnover. It's an industry where, where, where you know, your your job security for the, for the majority of these people that scout for these teams is not – talk to our buddy Matt Williams. Yes. He was with the Cleveland Browns for one year, and they cleaned house. That 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 a lot Sometimes of times the is, timing. Yeah. Is, is how these things work for scouts – in the National Football League, it is one of the most competitive roles to get as it relates to a job with an NFL team. Literally, thousands of people want these jobs. So you better be pretty good to keep these jobs. The guys that have these long careers, they know what they're doing. And I just think, Motsi, that's a reason why it's so rare that you have a you know a stud like Antonio Brown who falls so far in the draft. That's so rare where it, you have somebody like Shakir Brown who's an undrafted free agent and we're all like, Wait a second. How was that guy not picked? Yeah. I, I, more often Or you than get a stud like Arthur Mosa goes in the sixth hey. round. You're like, yo, how'd this happen? All right, I'm with you. I think he's going to throw me in there next. More, <laughs> like, more often than not, this is the way it goes. Yeah. You know, undrafted free agent guys, they're going to get cut. They're going to struggle. Yeah, they might make the team and they might have a career and 
hey, there's even examples like our very own Donnie Shell. Now, that was a, a, a different time, obviously, yeah. than the modern era. But there's there's undrafted guys who go on to have all pro careers, pro bowl careers, even Hall of Fame careers. But Mozi, it is a cautionary tale of, I think we do this a lot of, oh, look at this guy. Well, how did 32 NFL teams pass on this guy seven times in the draft? We got to steal. It's, 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 it's an uphill battle for a reason, and there's a reason why you know, he was passed on so many times. There's also a reason why, like you pointed out, the Steelers gave him the highest uh, signing bonus for an undrafted yeah. free agent. So there was clearly belief in on this guy's sides, ability yeah. on both sides. Um, you know, but but this is, you know, why a guy that we were all surprised didn't get drafted. Um, you know, again, I think that the, the, the scouts and the people who evaluate these things for a living, they know what they're doing. Yeah, 100% they know what they're doing, man. It's just always. It is surprising though when you see the bonus. Well, and I think of it in both ways, right? Yeah. I think of it in the sense of my first part of the surprise goes to what you said, right? The expectations we'll put on a player, undrafted or not, we just always like to see who's going to be that next surprise, that next steal, that next diamond in the rough. And you try to put that formula together of okay, a guy was very successful in college, whatever happened. Mike Hilton's one of those, right? Guys. Whatever happened, landed him undrafted. Okay, cool. Vontez Burfick, another prime example, right? Yeah. Awesome yep. player collegially, has some issues, ultimately landed him undrafted. So you're like, man, he should be the next guy. He should be that new diamond in the rough. And he, both of those guys, right, Mike Hilton and Vontez Burfick, both materialized into that. But with Shakur, it was just weird because I personally thought that his game would translate. I thought he was very fundamental. I thought he played with good confidence, good too. ball skills. Now, I don't know if there was an injury because, once again, we don't get that information. We're not privy to that during this time of year. So that could have played into it as well. But the last part of why I was surprised was more so that the team actually acknowledged that they had they were wrong, that they failed. I mean, we're being realistic about it, right? Yeah. We've talked about how many times this team has kept a guy sometimes longer than we think they should have solely because they don't want to admit that, hey – we, we guessed wrong on this guy. Or we, we picked him. We thought he was going to, you know, turn into this guy, and he did not. And they'll just keep him around for a year or two extra. But with this, it's like, yo, they, they said, hey, even though we gave him the largest sign among us, we've given an undrafted guy, we made a mistake. He's not what we think he is. Yeah. He's not going to help us. We got guys that are better. We're not even bringing him back for the practice squad. To me, that was significant because – like you said, that is really them just taking the full blame, the full blunt of it and saying, no, we we were completely wrong with this. Not even a little bit wrong. A little bit wrong says practice squad. And then after a couple weeks of practice squad, yes. then you let them go. Correct. Correct. This right here, this is like, no, we were all the way wrong. We missed. This is on us. But it's good to see that they are willing to admit that. Oh, because absolutely. that is something that I'm sure when people ask about Justin Lane, right, before this this training camp where he really got on, people were saying the same thing about him. Like, why is he still here? Why do you put up with it? Especially when he got in trouble this offseason, yeah, right? Even though yeah. we said the significance of the issue wasn't, you know, the most moving the needle, it was still something to deal with for a guy that was underperforming for multiple years. But they didn't turn they they didn't turn the page on him. They waited, they mm -hmm. waited, they waited. So once again, like I said, this is why I was a little bit of surprise. Like, yeah. I didn't think y'all would just do that. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know what? That's 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 uh, that is an intriguing parallel to draw. Yeah, and I think it gets back to again, though. I mean, 
third round, you know, you're like you're going to give a, a longer leash to right. the third round pick. Now you but pointed out too. We've seen we've in Pittsburgh seen the year guys get drafted. Cut. The year they're getting drafted, these yeah. guys are getting released. So that was my thing. I said anywhere else. That's 100% the case. You don't cut a guy that was in the third or the fourth round, sometimes even fifth rounders. Mm-hmm. But in Pittsburgh, I have seen it. You've seen it. <laughs> I have witnessed it. They do not care. And, and I thought it was gory when it was a, a what is a fourth rounder? Because it was, was a Holloman uh, out of, was it Louisville? I think it was out of Louisville. That sounds right. Yeah, something I was like Drew Holloman or something like that. Yeah. Fourth round dude was Here like, one day, gone tomorrow. Dang. And then we talked about, was it Shaquille Richardson, the cornerback? He was a fifth round, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, that's bad. And they're like, no, if you would have been here a couple years earlier, we got rid of a third round. I'm like, what? The same year? Like, where y'all do that at? <laughs> that is not normal. Like, wait a second. And y'all play your first rounders in the preseason. What? <laughs> On special teams as well? <laughs> y'all organization is weird. <laughs> but that's Pittsburgh football, man. Pittsburgh football, you'll see Ryan Shazier covering a kickoff and then starting on defense. And you're like, what is this? Yep. Like, so oh, you talk that's about how we do t- it. You talk about TJ Watt. It's the steal it's away. Doing all those reps and all those preseason snaps. <laughs> TJ was starting on punt and starting at outside linebacker. <laughs> you like, got to make, make, make some plays out there, Rook. Like, how does this work? <laughs> this is not how this is supposed to be. <laughs> No, it's hey. It, it, again, we we've we you and I we've discussed many times. There is there's certainly a blueprint. Blueprint, pardon me. Yeah. Say that five times fast. Seriously, right? There's a blueprint to how the Steelers operate. In a lot of ways, that has remained the same. Now there's been some some deviations mm-hmm. to that. Um, more active in trade market, more active in free agency, things of that nature. Um, but I I'm surprised. I I, I am I am moderately surprised. Not majorly, but moderately surprised. Yeah. Um, that Shakir Brown got cut. I think, like you said, too, we we saw the production in college. There was obviously a reason that 32 NFL teams passed on him the, uh, throughout the draft. Um, but with the signing bonus that he had, with the productivity that he had, with what felt like was suddenly a, a Steelers roster that had you know open spots in the secondary for the first time in, in a few years, um, it is surprising. It is for sure. I, 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 like you kind of alluded to, I would have at least expected him to maybe be a practice squad guy for a year or for a portion of the year. Um, but this makes it seem like they, uh, they not too much faith in his ability to, to contribute here uh, anytime soon. Yeah, it definitely does give me that energy right there. Now, I'm going to be interested to see how the rest of that room plays out, though, in terms of we know Shakur is not coming back on this practice squad, but we also know that they're going to cut some more DBs. We definitely know oh. that, just based on the amount of names that are in there. Yeah. So I want to see how do they go about it in terms of if they are outsourcing their practice squad roster. What do we mean by outsourcing? Okay, the guys that we're releasing, think of, not saying the, not saying these guys are released, but for just conversation purposes, if Trey Norwood, for example, were to be released – and we didn't bring him back to our practice squad, but it was a guy from Philadelphia who got released, and we brought him to our practice squad. That's what I mean by outsourcing. Gotcha. And, and the reason why I said that would be interesting, because for us, that would tell us if they are content with the guys they have in-house, if they think they're talented enough, just need to develop more, or do they feel that, hey, these aren't the guys that can get the job done. That's why we got to get new personnel. Sure, sure. Got to go shopping. Right, right, right. So to me, that's another thing that's significant because – I want to know that. I want to know how you view these guys because we have our opinions on certain DBs here, certain safeties, and how they played well or struggled with certain avenues of their game. So to see, okay, we're going to keep these style of guys here, 
well, are you telling us that that's acceptable, that type of play, right, in terms of guys maybe not wanting to be as physical in certain mm-hmm. parts of their game? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, because that sends a signal. That's a, if, if these guys are cool being on the roster that play like that, well, then, yeah, our mindset <laughs> watching this defense should change a little bit going forward as well because that's who's in the system. Those are going to be the next guys in line. You know, that's an interesting angle. I hadn't really thought about that. Like I said, it, 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 it's, it's a weird position because over the last, what, like like two two seasons certainly, mm-hmm. it, it's felt like the secondary was locked in. Yeah. I mean, Hayden, Nelson, Edmonds, Minka. I mean, those four were kind of ironclad. And, and Mike Hilton was right. was was, was It was like perfect, yeah. I do wonder when you have the, the type of offseason where there's, you know, a lot of moving parts amongst the defensive backs, if you – want to start to do things a little bit differently like mm. now would be the time to right when you have guys that have been part of the system for a while and like those five that that we named who were here the last two years had success you probably you're, you're not gung-ho to implement a bunch of changes to try a bunch of new things it's probably the classic right if it ain't broke don't fix it yep um but all of a sudden when there's a lot of moving parts there when you've got to replace steven nelson who was outstanding in 2019 and, and and good last year as well too when you've got to replace Mike Hilton who's such a unique skill set and was very important to what the Steelers were trying to do uh, on defense I, if you're going to not even like do a you know a a, a big right degree turn mm-hmm. right like a full 180 but if you're just trying to charter any type of new path I mean, this this probably does feel like the time to to start those things in motion. No, it definitely, definitely does, man. Definitely does. And this is funny, man. We haven't even got to, like, the guys that are actually on the roster and some of the <laughs> things that they have going to it. I mean, literally, it's the first segment right here, man. It's the first segment. Yeah, there could be some uh, there could be some news coming down the coming down the line here. I mean, we, we, we got a – what? We're, we're sitting at 1230, so we're about three and a half hours. About three and a half hours. Away from, like – how. All the finals. So you've been there before. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you you've been you know a decade in the NFL. Oh, you've seen it, yeah. How, like, do teams really wait like till the end of the deadline with this, or if if you're gonna get cut, well, you probably know by now after lunchtime. It's a mix, honestly. Yeah. Like I've seen because the way it works out, teams have an idea of the majority of the guys they're gonna be releasing. Then from there, you probably have like five to ten guys where you're on the fence, whether this is a younger player or a guy that was already here, a veteran, whatever it is, right, contract situations, all of that comes into play. But then you also want to look around the league and see, okay, did anyone did, has this guy got released yet? Because they already have their names of, okay, we're looking at these guys right here. Sure. If they get released, we're trying to do business with them as well. So they're doing – you play that game, and I think that's ultimately why it takes this long – but, man, I've seen the, the game played where, hey, Wes, you made the team today, baby. You got the job. You're good. Woo! Celebrate. We're going to send you home, buddy, over here. You go home. You're, you're fired. Then in 24 hours, hey, Wes, you're fired, buddy. Hey, dude, I just sent home. Hey, guess what? You're on the active roster now. And you're saying to yourself, like, yo, what, what happened here? Why did I get released if you just told me I made it? Well, if I would have said that he made it yesterday, his contract would have been guaranteed. I don't want his contract guaranteed. You don't have enough years in the league. <laughs> so I make you active right now. Your money's not guaranteed anyways. Yep. So now that I've 
got you here. His contract's not guaranteed. I'm going to cut you, bring him back. Now I got him working week to week. And now I got you without a job because you made the active roster when everybody did their cut. So <sighs> that is the game that gets played. It's And it's not just in Pittsburgh. I want you to oh, think, sure, oh, sure. man, Pittsburgh, man, why would they do that? It's everywhere. That's just the nature of the business. I was fortunate that I never had to experience it like directly. Mm-hmm. But I've witnessed it, had these conversations with guys who take it and they're like, yo, I want to go upstairs and – you know, aggressively get my point across to a coach, a GM, or an owner. And you're just like, yo, you can't Don't handle that. it that way. Trust me. Because yeah, then you won't be back in this building right, ever. Right. <laughs> I understand you're hurt. I understand you're embarrassed. I understand you're frustrated. But we cannot result to trial by combat, okay? <laughs> We, 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 we can't go, you know, break the this pool. This isn't Heath Ledger with the pool Exactly. Cube. We're going to have trial. We, we can't go that route just because we are frustrated with the decision from management. So that was one of the things that always took place. But, you know, like I said, we're going to keep this conversation going, man. We're going to obviously be cognizant and respectful of these players, though, because this is a sensitive time sure. for them. But we definitely want to keep this thing going. But um, when we get back, we got some shuffling going on on that offensive line at the left and right tackle spot. When we get back, we will discuss that and continue to get your thoughts in about these guys being released and some of these upcoming topics at the Body 52. The Body. And at Wesley Euler. The Goodhead. And this is Motes and Euler on SNR.